Welcome to Family History Mysteries, a podcast that tells the stories uncovered through family history research, the unexpected stories of everyday people. I am an avid family historian who has been compiling my family tree for over 15 years, with nearly 20,000 people recorded in my trees. Episode 15, Mysterious Miss James. Story today is about a lady that featured in my family tree photo collection. She isn't a blood relative, however, she is somebody that had a very important role in part of my family tree. Miss James was the nanny and living housekeeper of my grandmother and my great aunts. My grandmother and great aunts referred to her and my aunt Mavis, who is still with us, still refers to her very fondly. And when going through family photos with my grandmother, who was wonderful at keeping photos, which has helped me in all areas of my family tree, there were two postcard style photos from Miss James that were taken in 1938. One is written to a close neighbour of the family and the other one was to my great aunt Margaret. And it reads on the back, to dear Margaret with best wishes from Miss James. My grandmother also added to the note saying, our housekeeper for six years, a wonderful woman. So initially I thought, well, this is easy. I know that her name is Miss James and I know that she lived out in the soldier settlement for those six years. And so I thought it was going to be quite a straightforward thing. Little did I know that there was more than one version of Miss James and it took quite a bit of digging and quite a bit of research into newspaper articles to actually piece together who Miss James actually was. I asked a little bit of information um, with my grandmother when she was alive and she praised her very much and told me what a wonderful influence she was on their younger years and then I decided only 18 months ago to ask the surviving child out of the three daughters, my great aunt Mavis, who's in her mid-90s, her recollection of Miss James. And she told me that, again, that she was uh, very fondly remembered. She also told me that Jean's daughter, or Miss James's daughter Mary, would come up and visit with her children from Melbourne and they would stay with them at the family farm, Robeck at the Tuple Soldier Settlement, which was halfway between Deniliquin and Finlay in southern New South Wales. She also told me that they didn't realise until they were older, as adults, that Miss James was married and that her daughter Mary Anderson lived in Ferntree Gully. My great aunt actually boarded with Mary and her family for a short time when she first moved to Melbourne at the age of 16 And she recalls that at this time, Miss James was also living with Mary, her husband and her children. She also told me that Miss James went to work as a laundress at the Globe Hotel in Deniliquin after completing her nannying position for the Bayless family. I asked my great aunt why she would refer to herself as Miss James if she was married. And she paused for a moment and said, well, she'd never thought about that or questioned that before. So this gave me uh, a few little clues about Miss James and allowed me to uncover a very big jigsaw puzzle at the time. I wanted to know more about this lady. She clearly had a positive impact on the lives of my grandmother and my great aunts and uh, it ended up being a process of elimination and newspaper articles were a very big part to uncovering who Miss James was. 
So I initially started with only a very small amount of clues. I knew that she had a daughter, Mary Anderson. I also narrowed it down to a suburb. So I was able to find census records and was able to access where relations had put records on their family trees. So that was a good start. And I also looked up some newspaper articles in Deniliquin and surrounds in the 1930s and the 1940s to see if Miss James was mentioned. There were only a handful of mentions, but they were very good clues. The first mention was Miss James talking about her nephews in the Second World War, Private E. Vincent, Mick McGill and Eugene McGill, and it mentioned that the McGill brothers were from Rochester. So this allowed me to place Miss James in other people's trees. And then once I worked out the trees of the McGill brothers and E. Vincent, I was then able to work out, out of the possible aunts, who could Miss James be? And I narrowed it down to Jean Jane Wright. Her married name was Vincent and she had lived in Rochester. Her parents owned a farm outside Rochester and I was lucky enough that family members had placed a number of photos of Jean at different stages of her life on family tree sites. So I was able to compare the clear postcard photos I had of Miss James in 1938 to the photos that the family had. And until only a few days ago, I was unable to get that clear link, that documentation that clearly says that Miss James and Jean Jane Wright are in fact the same person. And I finally have uh, uncovered that. So I am in no doubt that they are one and the same lady. So I had to piece together bits and pieces of information and newspaper articles certainly helped with this. Military record papers also helped with this because in the end I needed to find a definite link between the Jean James Wright that I thought Miss James was. I've been in contact with distant relatives of Jean Jane Wright and they know very little about her and it seems that she may have sort of seemed to be missing, particularly from family get-togethers. There was one relative that mentioned that there was a family photo of all of the Wright children in 1936 and their partners and Jean and her husband William weren't in that photo. So as until recently, I found an article in the newspaper that really gave me the answers as to why Miss James was known as Miss James in Deniliquin, but was known as Jean Jane Wright in other documentation, particularly in Victoria. So I'm going to go in chronological order with Jean Wright. I'll refer to her as Jean Vincent through most of it, occasionally as Miss James with articles. So Miss James was born Jean Jane Wright in 1887 in Eagle Hawk, Victoria. She was the daughter of Samuel Wright and Annie Maria Jones. Samuel had a farm at Corrop, which was near Rochester, Victoria, and Jane was the second born in a family of 12 children. She married William Francis Vincent in Collingwood, Victoria in June 1907. William Francis Vincent was the son of William Vincent and Emily Furlong. He was born at Blue Mountain near Trentham in Victoria in 1882. He was living in Seymour with his parents prior to his marriage to Jean and was a rabbit trapper. William's parents, William and Emily, had three of their children born at Rochester between 1898 and 1903. So it's quite possible that William and Jean had met each other at Rochester uh, prior to their marriage. 
William and Jean had six children. Mary Florence, later Anderson, who was born in 1908. William James, born 1909. Ernest Elbert, born 1911. Vera Jean, who was later Vera Jean Christie, born 1912. Thomas Leslie, born 1917. And John Allen, born 1924. She was listed in the 1910 census as Jane Vincent and then in 1912 as Jane Vincent and in 1914 going back to Jane Vincent in the census records. She was living in Collingwood with William in those three years. In 1912 William is listed as a blacksmith at 100 Wellington Street, Collingwood but then as well I found census records where they're listed at Wandong. This was the same town that William's brother Ernest and his wife Mary lived in. So in 1915 they're listed as living at Wandong and William was a labourer at this time. In the 1917 census she was listed without William living at Rochester East and by this stage she has had five of her six children. Thomas Leslie was born in 1917. In the 1925 census, she's listed as Jean and living with William at 49 Burnley Street, Richmond. And in the 1928 census, she's listed under Jane Vincent and living with William at the same address. Why she alternated from Jean to Jane, her middle name at this time, I don't know. She seemed to run with Jean for the rest of her life after this time. In 1929, she was living with her daughter Mary and then she was back at 49 Burnley Street, Richmond in the 1931, 32 and 34 census, but not with William. Probably one of the most important finds was in the Richmond Guardian on the 24th of May 1930, which explains why she's not living with William in 1931 to 1934 in the census. It's titled Lights of Collingwood. Jane Vincent proceeded against her husband William for the maintenance of herself and two children. The parties were married at Collingwood in June 1907. The husband had been a rabbit trapper for 30 years and the pair lived in various parts of the country for years. Finally, the wife ran a boarding house in Richmond where she had three boarders, her three youngest children, there were six in all, living with her, one daughter earning 25 shillings a week, the others being underage. The husband was settled in the Yea district and had contributed £2 a week to his wife and children's maintenance until St Patrick's Day, when he gave his wife the alternative of going with the children to Yea and making a home there, or of ceasing to receive the £2 per week. She absolutely refused on the ground that he was of drunken behaviour. You like the bright lights of Richmond, said the lawyer for the defence, and she responded with, he likes the bright lights of Collingwood, declared Mrs Vincent. If you knew the kind of life I've led with him, you wouldn't want me to go into the country with him. So this was probably the most important piece of the puzzle because that gave me an idea as to why we had Jean Vincent not living with her husband and Jean Vincent calling herself Miss James once she came up to Deniliquin to take on the housekeeping and nannying position with my grandmother's family. Whether she didn't want people to know in Deniliquin that she was estranged from her husband and decided to create a little bit of a new identity or whether she may not have gained the position of nanny housekeeper if it was known that she was currently married with children.
1932, Jean's mother died and she put a notice in the paper from Jean Vincent at 49 Burnley Street in Richmond in the February of that year. So she's clearly still stating that she is in Melbourne at that time. So we know from the information my grandmother gave me that she was the nanny and housekeeper for the Bayless family for six years. And the Bayless girl's mother, Margaret Bayless, was hospitalised on February 1933 when the youngest, Mavis, was around two to three years old. So my assumption is that by the start of 1934, Miss James became the living nanny and housekeeper for the Bayless family out at Robeck. My grandmother and my great-aunt Mavis told me that they had a nanny prior to Miss James. They told me that she didn't really cope with living on farm life and it simply didn't suit her and didn't last long in the home. So that is why I'm assuming that within 12 months of their mother being hospitalised that Miss James would have arrived. I don't know what connections both families have had. I don't know what led Jean to gain the position so far away from the inner city suburbs of Melbourne. My great-aunt Mavis recalls that she and her older sister, my grandmother Phyllis, were living with their auntie, Auntie Min, in town in Deniliquin at the time that Miss James was appointed. She doesn't know how Miss James was employed by her father, she said she just appeared. She came to town one day and she was given the position and, and that was it. There are several mentions of Miss James donating sponges and winning raffles. So she was certainly part of the, the soldier settlement community out at, out at the Woodbury Soldier Settlement. So in February 1941, it is mentioned in the Independent Indian Liquid that Miss James of the Globe Hotel is not in the best of health and is about to enter a Melbourne hospital for treatment. So we do know that with the six years that that timeline works, that by the time she completes her nannying position with the Bayless family, as my great aunt mentioned, she did get a job as a laundress at the Globe Hotel. An article in the Deniliquin Independent on the 5th of June 1941 says, Miss James of the Globe Hotel has received word from her nephew, Private E. Vincent, AIF abroad, to say that he is well and is enjoying life. And then there was another article that was mentioned on the 8th of December 1945, the Echuca paper, the Riverine Herald, and it says, Personal and Social Items. A large gathering attended a social evening in honour of Private T. Vincent in Colburn Abbey Memorial Hall. Mr Jack Taylor, President of the Local Patriotic Committee, presided and on behalf of residents presented Private Vincent with a suitably inscribed wristlet watch. The Shire President, Councillor Jay McKee, presented the soldier with the Shire Certificate and Mrs CJ Burge, Branch President of the Country Women's Association, gave him a gift from the Rushworth branch of a set of silver-backed hairbrushes and comb from his mother, Mrs Jay Vincent, who came all the way from Melbourne, especially for the occasion. Corporal J. Weeks spoke on behalf of the men of Bendigo Militia Camp, from which Private Vincent had enlisted. Mr. Rowley Watt voiced the good wishes of the football club and the firm of Cox Brothers Melbourne, by which Private Vincent was employed for seven years, presented him with a handsome gift. Cards were played and Stewart's Orchestra and Miss Kay Ryan of Burren Boot East supplied the music for dancing. Private Vincent is a nephew of Miss Jean James of the Exchange Hotel Deniliquin. 
Now, you would have noticed that in the article on the 5th of June, she mentions a private E. Vincent. This article in the December mentions private T. Vincent. And this, in fact, was referring to her son, Thomas Leslie Vincent. So Mrs. J. Vincent is his mother that's referred to in the article. And she didn't come all the way from Melbourne for the occasion. She was actually living in Deniliquin. So she only needed to travel an hour and a half, two hours to, to get to this event. Now, how do I know that? Tom's military records list his next of kin as Jane Vincent in Eloquent, New South Wales on the 17th of April 1941. So what I can surmise from that is, of course, she's called herself Miss Jane James in the Deniliquin newspaper. With her netting position, she obviously doesn't want the Deniliquin community to know that she is in fact married and has children, and hence why she has referred to Private Vincent as her nephew. Another nephew of Miss James, this is another article that's mentioned in the Riverine Herald on the 8th of December 1945. Another nephew of Miss James of the Exchange Hotel Deniliquin to join the AIF is Private Mick McGill. Together with Private Gus Plan, Private McGill was a guest at Mr W Ward's Victoria Hotel Rochester recently when Councillor C.A. Major presented the two young soldiers with a one-pound note and a wallet on behalf of the Shire Council. Mr A. Fuller handed to each a comforts fund parcel. At the railway station on a subsequent day, those to wish the two men all the best were Senior Constable M. Nolan and Mr H. Williams, President of the local branch of the RSILA. Private Eugene McGill, a brother of Private Mick McGill, is serving with the AIF overseas. Now this is initially what linked me to Jane Jane Wright. Eugene McGill and Edward George McGill served in World War II and they were the sons of Jean's sister Gladys Irene Wright. So maybe Edward was known as Mick to the family but that was my first uncovering of Jean Jane Wright. Now there's another article that's mentioned too that says Private Eugene McGill, son of Mrs G McGill of Echuca, returned to his home recently after spending a week with his aunt Miss James of the Globe Hotel Deniliquin. Private McGill was a POW in Thailand for three and a half years and only learned of his father's death on his return. Interesting in the Riverine Herald reference that they call again Jane Vincent as Miss James. So that gives me the impression that the family were well aware that she was going to create a new identity with a new position up in the Deniliquin area. That's probably a really clear clue as well where the identities of both women have merged. Now the other piece of information that really perplexed me and still perplexes me is an article that was written in the local Deniliquin newspaper in November 1941. And it says Miss Jane James of the Globe Hotel has received word that she has been left a sum of money from the estate of her late uncle, Mr Thomas James of Horsham, Victoria. In six months' time, Miss James is informed she will receive further substantial benefits under her uncle's will when the property is sold. So this really confused me because at this point I was very confident that Jane Jane Vincent, or Jane Jane Wright, was Miss James. And there is no mention of a surname James anywhere in the Wright family or in the Vincent family. So for... Miss James in Deniliquin to state this, I was really trying to figure out that link. 
So who was Thomas James? Well, Thomas James was a, a bachelor and he was an accountant and he lived in Natanmark in Victoria, so near Horsham. And he was hospitalised for five years in Horsham before his death. He was born in 1854 in England and he died on the 30th of December 1940. I went further to find some information on about Thomas James to see possibly whether it was a great, great uncle or a great uncle somewhere in the family trees. So on the 27th of May 1941, there is a mention of his will and what legacies Thomas James left. Natamark, Legacies for Institutions. The late Mr Thomas James, a resident of Natamark for a long period before he entered the Horsham Base Hospital about five years ago, kindly and practically remembered his hometown and his will and left legacies to the following public institutions. Mechanics Institute, £100. School Committee, £100. Cricket Club, £25. The Football Club, £25. Total of £250. He bequeathed an allotment of land and books to the Masonic Lodge, of which he had been secretary for many years. So this is stating quite a long list of where he had bequeathed his will. And of course, there's no mention of a niece. There's no mention of a Jane James or a, a Jane Vincent or even a Jane Wright in that article. And the obituary in the Horsham Times in December 1940 states that Thomas was born in England. He came to Natanmark in 1895 and he was unmarried. So I went back into the family trees to look at his siblings, to look at his parents and their aunts and uncles and just couldn't find a link. In the 17th of December 1940, the death of Thomas James is listed in the Horsham Times. James. The death occurred in the Horsham Base Hospital on Friday of Mr Thomas James of Natanmark. Deceased was born in England 84 years ago and came to Natanmark about 45 years ago. He took an active part in various district activities, for many years was secretary to the Natanmark Agricultural Society, Masonic Lodge, Mechanics Institute and the Church of England. About four years ago illness compelled him to be removed to the base hospital and he had been an inmate since then. Deceased, who was unmarried, had a wide circle of friends who will regret his passing. The funeral took place at the Natmark Cemetery on Saturday, the Reverend J. Duffy officiating at the church and graveside. The coffin bearers were S.R. Smith, W. Smith, H. Plush, O. Williams, G. Kersop, C.H. Widener and Messrs. Waite and Sons conducted the arrangements. So even with the details of the coffin bearers, there's no link to Jane at all. It got the better of me and I purchased the access to Thomas James's will. I needed to know the details to see whether Jane in fact was a beneficiary of any part of his will. So I'll read the details of the will. First of all I'm just going to go through his list of assets. So the inventory of assets, real estate, Piece of land being Crown Allotment 9, Section 1 in the township and parish of Natanmark, being the whole of the land and the frontage to the main street, and it was valued at £40. So we know from the article that the Masonic Lodge were beneficiaries of that. He had £51 of money in hand. He had £378 in savings. He had £365 in bonds. And he had £8 in interest, as well as 
£367 in shares. He had shares in the Masonic Clubhouse, the Dunlop Rubber, Code Limited, Metropolitan Gas Company, Young Husband Limited and D&W Chandler Limited. His total inventory of assets was £1,162. And this is his last will and testament. Thomas James, formerly of Nattenmark, but now of the base hospital Horsham in the state of Victoria, gentlemen. I appoint William Henry Shoebridge of Horsham and Marcus Cedric Wettenhall of Horsham, solicitors to be the executives and trustees of my will. I bequeath to Mrs W. Duncan, care of Miss F. H. Treadwell, my walking stick, and to Frank Jory of Natmark in the said state, such of my books as he shall choose, my Masonic books, which together with my bookcase I bequeath to the Natmark Masonic Lodge. Any books not chosen by the said Frank Jory, I bequeath to the Horsham Base Hospital. I bequeath the remainder of my household furniture and personal effects to Miss E. Widener of Natmark. I devise to the Natmark Masonic Lodge my allotment of land adjoining the Masonic Hall at Natmark. I give, devise and bequeath the residue of my real and personal estate to my trustees to call in and convert any money. And after payment of all my just debts, funeral and testamentary expenses, the probate and estate duties to pay to the Nattenmark Football Club and the Nattenmark Cricket Club, the sum of £25 each, and I direct that the receipt of the secretary of each club shall be sufficient discharge for my trustees. The Nattenmark Mechanics Institute for the sum of £100 for the investment by the trustees thereof and income therefrom shall be used annually for the purchase of new books for the said institute. The Committee of the Nattenmark State School, the sum of £100 for investment by the said committee and the income therefore shall be used to provide prizes for the scholars annually as allotted by the head teacher thereof and I direct that the receipt of the secretary of the said committee shall be sufficient discharge to my trustees. The trustees of the hospital, known as the Horsham Base Hospital, the balance of the monies arising from the aforesaid sale, calling in or conversion or forming part of my personal estate to be used by them for the benefit of the hospital. I declare that my trustees will act in the execution thereof. They are entitled to make the same professional charges and receive the same remuneration for all work done. And it is witnessed by VC McIntyre, Base Hospital Horsham and G Jenkin, Base Hospital Horsham. So you can see that Thomas James made a, a very specific will right down to the fact that he has even bequeathed a walking stick. So it is quite clear that Jean Vincent wasn't one of the beneficiaries. Now, whether Jean noticed this funeral, noticed, you know, wasn't married, that she thought it would help put the pretense up of her being Miss James, but it's really perplexed me as to why would she do it. And it sounds like she's saying that she's getting quite a sizable amount so it is a bit of a mystery as to why Jean placed that in the paper. She took the effort to place an article in the paper to all the Dinaliquin and Surrounds residents. It's sounding like she's getting quite a sizable amount from her uncle's will, but quite clearly she wasn't a beneficiary at all and whether this was just to set up a pretense to the Dinaliquin community about her not being known as Miss James. Maybe people were asking questions at this point and she thought that that might keep people at bay. A few more clues in the timeline. She listed herself as Jean James in the 1943 census in Deniliquin 
as a resident of the Globe Hotel and articles also linked her to the Globe Hotel in 1946 and 1947. In 1941 and 1946 she's also being linked to the Exchange Hotel in so I'm assuming doing the same job as Laundress. In 1943, her daughter Vera passed away and she places several memorial notices in. She's listed as Jane Vincent in her first article in the Melbourne paper in reference to Vera's death. And at this time, Frances is living at Trelgan, working as a labourer. There's also a Jane Vincent listed in the 1943 census at Pinely, Mayrung. And Mayrung is a farming area very close to the Woodbury Soldier Settlement where she nannied. So quite possibly living with a family on their property as she's working in town. In 1946, she places another memorial notice for her daughter and she names herself as Jane Vincent. This time, though, she states that she is in Deniloquin. And again, in February 1947, she places a memorial notice in for her daughter and states Jane Vincent Globe Hotel Deniloquin. So now we're starting to really see the women blending together as one. By the time it's 1948, she's listed at living at Bowen Street, Lower Ferntree Gully, which is where her daughter Mary lives. So it seems that by 1948, she has left Deniliquin. So in 1948, 1949 and 1954, she's in Ferntree Gully. My great aunt mentioned how she boarded down in uh, Ferntree Gully with Mary. And she recalls Miss James living with her daughter. I know that in December 1946, George was farewelled from his soldier settlement home and he moved to Clayton in Victoria not long after that, so early 1947. So it's quite possible that that is around the time that Jean herself had moved from the Deniliquin area. Her husband, however, uh, William, in 1949, he's listed as a labourer living at Toon Gabby in Victoria. And he died on the 11th of July, 1955 at Toon Gabby. Interestingly, on his death notices, it does say his wife and the children are mentioned as well. So it seems to me that they may have been on good terms. They just simply parted ways and didn't live with each other. Jean passed away on the 22nd of May 1954 at St Vincent's Hospital in Fitzroy. It states that her most recent address was Bowen Street in Lower Ferntree Gully. So she obviously lived with her daughter and her husband and family in her later years and she was buried at Box Hill. So just going to her children now and this gave me a little bit of an insight particularly with the military records of one of her sons clearly uh, allowed me to, to know that this was one and the same woman. So we've mentioned Mary, my great aunt, as you know, recalls staying at Mary's for a short time. They moved into their home in Melbourne. Uh, So Mary Florence Wright was born in 1908 in Carlton, Victoria, and she married Lawrence Arthur Anderson, and Lawrence was known to the family as Pip, and they married in 1928. Her grandson said she was brought up on a farm at Rochester, and this was one thing that I would love family members to fill me in on, because... Her children, you know, were quite young. Her youngest was born in 1924. So if she came up and started nannying with the Bayless family in the early 1930s, you know, she's got a son that's around 8 to 10 years old at this time, as well as the older children. So Mary obviously was married by the time she came up to nanny for my grandmother's family. 
So whether Mary and her husband helped with the younger siblings or they were looked after um, by family um, in Rochester and Jane's parents lived in Rochester as well as her some of her siblings and extended family. Uh, Lawrence or Pip was a bootmaker and they lived in Abbotsford in 1931, Edith Farley in 1937, Ferntree Gully in 1942, 49 and 54 and in Bayswater in 1977. They had four children, Alan Arthur who was born in 1941. My great aunt recalls that Alan was an excellent piano player and when she came down as a 16-year-old to board at Mary and Pip's house, she in fact went out with the drummer of Ellen's band and she recalls Ellen and his wife Betty very fondly. He died on the 12th of May 1983. Jeanette Dawn who was born in 1945 died 2011 and Kathleen and Barry. Kathleen was born a year younger than my auntie Mavis and Mavis recalls her being quite friendly with Kathleen when they were younger and, and also my grandmother and Annie Mavis driving over from Daniliquin to Albury once to visit Kathleen and unfortunately Kathleen gave them an address and they couldn't find her home and back in those days without mobile phones they couldn't locate her and unfortunately they didn't get to meet up. Mary and Pip are buried at Lavington in Albury, New South Wales. Pip died on the 2nd of September 1983 and Mary on the 8th of December 1994 and she was 87 years and she died at Yakadanda in Victoria. Jean and William's second son, William James Vincent, was born in Carlton in 1909. He married Elmer Cox in 1940 and they had four girls and a boy, Arthur. In 1937, he was living in Rochester, Victoria. So again, that linked to Jean's family. In 1937, Jean was working for the Baylisses. William and Elmer lived in Colbenabin in Victoria in 1942 and that article that I mentioned with Private Vincent, his farewell was at Colbenabin, so I'm wondering whether he may have lived with his older brother and he's living in Yakadanda in 1949 where they owned a dairy. By 1954 they were farming at Foster in the Gippsland region of Victoria and he died in 1986. Thomas Leslie Vincent was born in 1917. He married Audrey Lax in 1944 and they had one child, Alan Thomas. He was a farmer at Durangilly near Tatura in Victoria and he also served, he served in World War II and he died in 1966. And he was the link to the documentation that clearly shows that Jean Vincent and Jean James are the same lady. Uh, John Ellen Vincent was born in 1924 and married Una Heffernan in 1945 in Warwick, Queensland. In 1949, he's listed as a cook living in Warwick. He's then listed in the census in 1954 at a military camp at Maycole, Queensland in the Permanent Army. By 1963, he's a soldier at Queenscliff in Victoria. By 1972, he was a chef living in Hamilton, Victoria, and in 1980, working as a chef at Port Lonsdale, Victoria. They had four girls and he died in 1997 in Canberra. Vera Jean was born in 1912. Vera had a child, Beryl Norma Sharp, as an 18 year old in July 1931, who it seems was adopted. Vera then married Herbert Leo Christie in 1935 and went on to have two daughters, Lorraine and Dawn. 
and she died at her home at 147 Bridge Road, Richmond on the 12th of February 1943. So she was only 30 years old. And Ernest Albert Vincent was the youngest. He was born at Tuberac, Victoria on the 11th of March 1911. He married Edna Garraway in 1938 and he enlisted in World War II on the 8th of March 1942 in Victoria and his occupation at the time of enlistment was a press operator and a rabbit carter. He did not serve overseas. They had two girls and Ernest died in Euston in 1980. So I am hoping that one day I have contact from one of the family members of Jean to um, fill in a few of the gaps. I'd love to know what her motivation was for coming up to the Deniliquin region and being such a, a, a wonderful nanny for my grandmother. The researchers also added an extra layer in the fact that I'm very lucky to have a great aunt that I can talk about uh, Miss James with in quite a few of my family history stories. They are from a long time ago, up to five generations back. So this one was especially valued by me as I could talk to my great auntie about a lady and her family that were very much part of her life when she was younger. If you are interested in sharing your story on my podcast, Family History Mysteries, please go to my Facebook page and send me a message. If you would like some assistance in filling in the gaps in your family tree to see what mysteries you solve, please get in touch. And don't forget you can have early access to episodes by subscribing and you'll also gain access to bonus episodes.